Okay, the last thing that we saw in chapter 19 was uh, Job simply asking his friends to, to show a little mercy. You know, just uh, throw throw me a bone for Pete's sake. He's already suffering more than, than you can imagine. And, and you guys are just making it worse by telling him it's his own fault. Uh, you know, he could go free of his suffering if he would just deny the word of God. what they're telling him. Uh, regarding his sacrifices and his faith, um, if he would just trash can all that he's ever known and and come to God like the wretched sinner that his friends say that he is, um, then everything will be all right. But Job just can't do that. He has uh, trusted that God promised forgiveness in the offering of those blood sacrifices and his repentance and his faith. Um, that's what Job has done, and Job cannot believe God has somehow uh, gone back on, on his word. It's, it's uh, once again, you know, we reiterate that the same thing uh, would apply to us as believers today if someone would come and say, you know, God uh, is punishing you and he hates you even though you believe that uh, you've been forgiven in Christ and and Christ has saved you and Christ has paid your penalty, God still holds this against you uh, as a Christian, as a believer who's been born again and indwelt by the Spirit of God. You would know, I mean, you would know to reject that because Scripture tells us that Christ is our complete payment. And so this is what Job is doing. He's saying, I can't, I can't, I can't agree with what you're saying. Um, I've spent my life making the required sacrifices. I've spent my life in repentance. I've spent my life in faith and devotion to God. And I just can't accept what you're telling. Um, now we come to uh, chapter 20. Job, he's rebuked his friends. And he's refuted his friends again. But here in chapter 20, Zophar is, is going to speak. And he is none too happy. Um, it seems as if uh, Zophar feels like Job has now wronged him by saying the things that he said. We saw in the last chapter that Job felt wronged by his compatriots, and now Zophar is going to speak as if Job has wronged him. He's basically telling Job that you know he's not right before God, and Job is defending his position and telling his friends that they're you know they're bad, wrong in the way that they're trying to counsel him. Uh, and if anything, Job should be the one offended. But Zophar comes at Job with both barrels blazing. Once again, we're going to see a perfect picture of what hell may be like. Everything Zophar says here, just like uh, in, before, um, is going to be true regarding what God will do with sinful mankind. However, just like Eliphaz has done in a previous chapter when we looked at what perfect justice and hell would look like, Zophar is going to make the same mistake of believing that the wicked get perfect justice in this life. And this is the reason Job is suffering so much, he would say. Uh, the wicked will receive wrath. But any casual look uh, you know, around at the world just reveals that, that there are some lost people that are doing quite well in life. Uh, in fact, it was the rich people in Jesus' day that had the hardest time accepting him. Jesus said it would be easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. So, Zophar is technically correct, but he is wrong in applying his 
uh, system of checks and balances his works based God only punishes the wicked and always rewards the righteous in this life he's uh, he's wrong in applying that system to Job uh, look at verse 1 it says then Zophar the Namathite answered and said therefore my thoughts answer me because of my haste within me I hear censor that insults me he's saying Job insulted him and out of my understanding a spirit answers me in, in our modern lingo I think so far would say uh, you're really ticking me off Job uh, you're insulting my intelligence and I'm pretty darn tired of it uh, Zophar is sure that he is right and he is about he's about had it with Job continually questioning his worldview I mean Job is the one who is wallowing in his suffering I mean Zophar is doing just fine so I bet Zophar is thinking, you know, hey, the way that you view the world, I mean, it isn't turning out so good for you, buddy. I mean, just look. Why don't you just, why don't you just let let it go? I'm enjoying life, and you're suffering. Why in the world would you think I would want to adopt your thinking? You need to adopt my thinking because I'm the one doing all this. I'm doing good. Uh, on top of all this, Zophar thinks Job is now charging him with injustice. Uh, not only is Job saying that he's wrong in his ideas, but Job is saying that his ideas are morally wrong. If you remember in chapter 19, he, he's saying that, that uh, the counsel Zophar is giving him is sinful. Uh, if there's one thing that you, you can be sure is going to tick somebody off all the time, it is telling them that they are sinning. Uh, no one takes that too kindly, yet it is something we desperately need to be told. Um, so now that we know Zophar is livid and he is really, really mad, he's, uh, he's going to launch into a deep explanation of the justice of God. He is going to give us another glimpse into the reality of, I mean, of what hell will be like. Uh, it's what perfect justice looks like. The, Zophar's problem, though, is that he's assuming that this perfect justice is a present reality right now. Uh, first, he says that the wicked person cannot remain happy. That's what he says. Verse 4, Do you not know this from old, since man was placed on earth, that the exulting of the wicked is short, and the joy of the godless but for a moment? Ever since man was placed on the earth, the wicked have not been able... Um, to exult in their wickedness this is what he's saying he's uh he's making sure job knows that wicked people cannot triumph or rejoice or sing because uh, if they do god will cut them short for for zophar it is impossible for a wicked person to be happy in his wickedness the wicked man uh, he may be joyful for a fleeting moment, but it can't last. Uh, God would cut that person down because of his wickedness. Uh, uh, now, of course, we know that Zophar's counsel is running directly contradictory to what the Bible says about the heart of man. Man's heart itself is desperately wicked. And without the grace of God, man loves his rebellion. Uh, it's just a fact. Unregenerate man cannot please God. Romans 8.8 8 says that. And as long as he is separated from God's grace and the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, he'll prefer it that way. He wants it that way. Uh, so, so far, it's just simply wrong here. Wicked people are very happy in their wickedness. Uh, but, you know, there most certainly will come a day when they will not be. There will come a time when God's justice is perfectly meted out and uh, the the wicked are forever separated from him. Uh, 
and and then in that day it'll be impossible. I promise you for them to be happy. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, it says. There'll be no more moments of pleasure. There'll be no more comfort. There'll be no more rest for them. And in that day, they won't be able to remain happy. But look around you. It's not today. At the time that I'm saying this, it's not today yet. Verse 6 says, Though his height, he's talking about the wicked man, though his height mount up to the heavens and his head reach the clouds, he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who have seen him will say, Where is he? The wicked can't remain proud in their wickedness, according to Zophar. Uh, He may think his uh, greatness reaches to heavens, but he will perish like his own waste. Is what he says. In Zophar's view, God simply will not tolerate the wicked being proud and haughty. But the wicked are proud and haughty of their wickedness all the time. In fact, that is the whole point of the final verse in Romans 1. It says, Romans 1 verse 32 says, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So he's saying they can't be proud of their wickedness, but that's exactly what Paul says the wicked are. They're proud. They turned over the truth of God and accepted a lie. Therefore, God gave them over to that. And so without the grace of God affecting the heart of man, he will not only remain in his wickedness, but he will choose his wickedness. He will love his wickedness. And so Zophar is just mistaken. If he thinks that uh, uh, that all wicked men are walking around suffering in the world today, um, that's just not how that's not how it's happening. Uh, next, in the next few verses, Zophar makes sure Job knows that the wicked man cannot remain prosperous uh, in his system, the, his worldview, his uh, the way the universe operates. Uh, the wicked will disappear in judgment. Verse 8 says, He will fly away like a dream and not be found. He will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more, nor will his place anymore behold him. God will take him away in judgment, is what Zophar is saying. There's no way that he can live in his wickedness and God do nothing. He claims that... Um, the uh, the the wicked fly away like a dream, and he's he's chased away by a vision. He won't ever be seen again. He can't abide a view of God like Job's that is saying God is allowing wicked people to live, and uh, he's making me a righteous man suffer. For so far, this is uh, it's just unfair, it's uh, unjust, and it's not how God will operate. Uh, but Zophar has the wrong view of man. He doesn't realize that he himself is wicked by God's standards. And if God were to operate the way that Zophar has claimed he operates, there wouldn't be any people on earth at all uh, because God would have cast them all away. Everyone is wicked. Paul tells us that there's no one righteous, not a single person. Uh, if God won't let the wicked stay alive, as Zophar has claimed, then there would be no one alive. There would be no one on the planet. Um, so Zophar, once again, is <clears throat> is incorrect in his advice to Job. Uh, now we know there will be a day when the wicked will be cast into destruction, when they will be cast into hell, but it's not today. Uh, at the time that I'm, I'm 
speaking these words, it's not right now. Uh, he's also going to say that the wicked just can't prosper. Verse 10 says, His children will seek the favor of the poor, and his hands will give back his wealth. His bones are full of his youthful vigor, uh, but it will lie down with him in the dust. According to Zophar, the wicked man can't prosper financially. He says that the wicked man's children will beg from the poor, and he will not uh, be able to hold on to his wealth. Uh, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't really even think I need to take time to demonstrate how this isn't true. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and see uh, all the people who love their world in this because of all the riches they they have. I mean, you, you go through Jesus' teachings, and he says that uh, some of the seed of the Word of God falls on on uh, on the thorny ground. And the reason that ground is thorny because the the riches of the world, the things of the world, come and choke that world that uh, word out. Uh, the the people who had the hardest time uh, receiving Christ were the rich people, the powerful people, the prosperous people. Uh, so you know he, he says the wicked cannot prosper, but yet if you look around in the 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 sinful world we live in, the wicked man's prospering all over the place. Uh, but like, once again, there will be a day when there will be no prosperity. Uh, for the wicked, but Zophar he he doesn't stop there. He goes further by saying that the wicked man he won't be prosperous in his health either. Uh, Zophar says that though his bones are filled with vigor, that vigor will lie down with him in the dust. So Zophar is hammering on Job here. I mean, imagine if you're Job. It's Job, you know, he's the one whose health is failing, and so he's the one who's lying down in the dust and boils are covering his body. Um, Zophar is not so softly implying that Job is getting what the wicked man. And deserves uh, he he's had his health stripped from him and so um, far uh, if so far uh, so is right it, it must be because job is wicked before God but uh, this also implies that so far is not wicked and that he is somehow maintaining his innocence by his works see so far is not sick so far is doing pretty good He's not suffering. He doesn't have boils all over his body. He's not lying down in the dust. Uh, therefore, he must be a righteous man, uh, according to his system. But we know that that's not the case. We know that Zophar's wrong. And we know that God has already said that Job is righteous. So once again, his counsel fails. Just a test of God's word and the test of reality. Uh, but he continues his tirade and he says that uh, the wicked are poisoned by their own evil. Now, verse 12 says, Though evil is sweet in his mouth, though he hides it under his tongue, though he is loath to let it go and holds it in his mouth, uh, he, he's saying that the wicked takes great pleasure in his evil. It's sweet to his mouth and he doesn't want to let it go. Now, if you're paying close attention, you'll notice that Zophar is coming really close to contradicting himself right here. He just told us a minute ago that the wicked can't be happy. He says that uh, he, he won't be able to be happy because God won't allow it. But yet, here he is taking pleasure in his wickedness. He's saying that the, the, the wicked does take pleasure in his wickedness. It seems as if Zophar is letting his emotions uh, get the better of him as he is uh, ranting at Job. He's speaking faster than his brain can think. I, 
I know I'm guilty of it. A lot of times I have to, uh, sometimes you'll, you'll hear me stutter. And, and I, it sounds like I'm just searching for a word that I, I just don't know. What's going on is my my mouth has to catch up with my brain sometimes. I, I get to slurring words and get to trying to talk too fast and doing those things. Well, it seems like Zophar is so emotional here. He's told us once that the wicked can't be happy, and then now he's telling us, "Well, the wicked loves his wickedness." So he he's kind of just going at Job with all with you know both barrels blazing. Um, he says that uh, though his this wickedness is sweet in his mouth and in his tongue and all that, verse fourteen says, "Yet his food is turned in his stomach; it is the venom of cobras within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God casts them out of his belly. He will suck the poison of cobras. The tongue of a viper will kill him." Now. Remember, he's talking to Job about Job. And so, you know, wow, could you get more vivid? Uh, could you get more insulting? I think uh, he's a uh, he's basically showing Job, you know, how wicked he is. Uh, but here, at least, Zophar gets something right. The the wicked's evil will definitely destroy him. Uh, what he holds in his stomach will be turned to venom. The riches he swallows will be spewed back up, and God will cast them out of him. And the poison that he so loves will finally kill him. Zophar finally hits the nail on the head. He, this is exactly. Right, man's sin is the thing that will inevitably destroy him. Many people take the view that God punishes people because they they do not believe in Him, and in a sense, that's true. There's part of this that's true. There's a way that you could say that, and it is true. Um, but the wicked will not suffer in eternity because they did not believe. They'll suffer in eternity because of their sin. Uh, believing in Christ and trusting in Christ is the door God's provided uh, to be freed from the suffering for their sin. It's uh, one preacher has given an illustration. It's not my illustration. I heard it somewhere. I can't think of uh, who said it right now, but he said that uh, you know if you jump out of an airplane, you don't die because you forgot to put on a parachute. You die because gravity pulls you to the ground. Uh, by not putting on the parachute, you know you you've sealed your fate. But it's not not putting on the parachute that killed you. It's the fall that killed you. And so, uh, in the same way, uh, man is punished for his sin. They've broken God's law, and for that, they'll receive due punishment. And that's frightening truth, but that is the way that it is. The The problem here is that Zophar is projecting this onto Job, but Zophar refuses to realize that he, too, is wicked. He, too, has sinned against God. He, too, has broken God's law. So by his own logic, Zophar should be suffering just like he is implying that Job is and just like Job is. Zophar reinforces you know, this idea by showing how the wicked suffer for his evil. Verse 17 says, He will not look upon the rivers, the streams flowing with honey and curds. He's saying that the wicked can no longer look upon beautiful things. He won't see rivers or streams. He won't see honey or curds curds he'll uh, he'll be deprived of beauty verse 18 says uh, he will give back the fruit of his toll and will not swallow it down from the profit of his trading he will get no enjoyment uh, for he has crushed and abandoned the poor he has seized a house that he did not build uh, so far saying that the wicked man will not 
enjoy the fruit of his labor. He'll uh, he, he'll give back what he has worked for, and uh, and he won't profit from trading. He 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 won't be allowed to have any enjoyment at all in this life. And once again, we see Zophar's worldview uh, might you know it might appear just, but it's just not the reality. The wicked do most certainly enjoy things in this life, and we've already seen this clearly. But but once again, you know we got to say that there will be a day when the wicked will enjoy absolutely nothing, uh, not even a moment's rest. Uh, he'll not be able to enjoy a single second of existence. But but it won't happen in this life. And if Zophar's uh, if his advice is right then he himself and his two friends should also be suffering right alongside Job. And every human being on the planet should be suffering right alongside Job, if Zophar is right. Verse 20 says, Because he knew no contentment in his belly, he will not let anything in which he delights escape him. There was nothing left after he had eaten, therefore his prosperity will not endure. In the fullness of his sufficiency, he will be in distress. The hand of everyone in misery will come against him. Zophar's point simply boils down to this. The wicked can't be satisfied. He'll search hopelessly for enjoyment and never find it. Because he could not be satisfied, he went after everything that delighted him, but there will be nothing left after he consumes it. Once again, Zophar hits on a point of truth, even though he doesn't realize just exactly what he's saying. Those who search for fulfillment in anything other than relationship with God uh, will most certainly chase their tails looking for satisfaction and it'll never come. Just like a mouse on one of those little wheels in a cage, they'll they'll just spin and spin trying to get the cheese that's uh, always just out of reach. Um, of course, you can never get the person to see or believe this. It takes the, the Spirit of God to do that. And uh, according to their worldview, they would think everything offers satisfaction. Everything assures them that they will have it if they can just get one step closer to what they want. But satisfaction and fulfillment will always elude them. And in hell, when people finally reach the place uh, they've headed for their whole life, satisfaction will be completely impossible. Even the fulfillment of a relationship with God will be out of reach. There will be no satisfaction. So Zophar is right in some of the things that he's saying. But we've also seen that he's, he's wrong in how he's applying it. He's giving us a good picture of what perfect justice will look like. But this justice isn't the way the world is now. Uh, it will be one day, but, uh, but it isn't yet. And in that day, the wicked will experience nothing but the wrath of God. He continues in verse 23, To fill his belly to the full, God will send his burning anger against him and rain it upon him into his body. He will flee from an iron weapon. A bronze arrow will strike him through. It is drawn forth and comes out of his body. The glittering point comes out of his gallbladder. Terrorize, terrors excuse me, come upon him. God will send burning anger against him is what he says, and the man will flee from one terror only to be struck by another terror. There will be no escape for the wicked because the terror of the Lord is drawn like a bow against him. Now, I don't know about you, but it just seems not a few verses ago, uh, Zophar was saying that, you know, the wicked may experience 
some times of of pleasure, but they'll be fleeting. They'll be few and far between. And, and now he's saying that only anger, only fire, only arrows uh, and iron weapons will come against him. It'll be one terror after another. Uh, the the terrors will, will come upon him. Um, will and, and he will for all eternity pay for what he's done. Uh, there'll be no escape for the wicked because of the terror that the Lord has drawn like a bow against him. Um, you just look around, and and we've already established. I mean, we've already established it in, in every section that the world's just not like that yet. Uh, verse twenty six says, "Utter darkness is laid up for his treasure. A fire not fanned will devour him. What is left in his tent will be consumed. The heavens will reveal his iniquity, and the earth will rise up against him. And the possessions of his house will be carried away, dragged off in the day of God's wrath." What he's saying here is that he'll receive only utter darkness. And fire. That's the exact picture of what uh, the New Testament uh, authors and Christ himself uh, show us of what hell will be like. Darkness and fire. A lot of people have commented about how these must be symbolic pictures because darkness can exist in the same place that fire exists because fire gives off light. Um, But here we see in the Old Testament that once again in God's perfect justice you have the two uh, co-mingled together verse 26 tells us Zophar says God's perfect justice is utter darkness and it's a fire that consumes and devours Um, he is saying uh, even what is left after God's wrath will uh, will be consumed his iniquity will will be revealed and all creation will rise against him god's wrath will take everything that he has and that's the way it'll be but of course we know that's not the way that it is now at least not yet and so far ends his speech by punctuating it with a summary statement he says verse 29 this is the wicked man's portion from god the heritage decreed for him by God. In Zophar's mind, this is the way God deals with the wicked man in this life. Therefore, Job must be the wicked man because Job, in his experience, is, I mean, he's wallowing in the ground. He's uh, plagued with sores and sickness and all these things have happened to him. Job must be that wicked man. But the world just isn't that way. Sometimes we suffer not because of a direct link to our own sin, but because we live in a sin-soaked and fallen world. Suffering is the reality I don't care how righteous you are. There is none righteous, but you know, on a on a uh, relative scale, if you're more righteous than most others, uh, however you measure that, I don't even know if you can. But um, if you're, let's say, you're the most righteous man in, in this world full of sinners, you're the most righteous sinner. There will still come a day when you get sick. There will still come a day if the Lord tarries that you will die. There will come a day when you suffer, when you lose loved ones, when people in your family start growing old and getting sick and passing away. Uh, Suffering is a reality for all, but not in Zophar's view. Only those who are not right with God suffer the way that Job is suffering. The righteous never go through anything like that. So what we have here is an implicit belief that Zophar is somehow better than Job. Zophar is somehow more righteous than Job because if his worldview is correct, then we must conclude that Zophar is a righteous man because Zophar is not experiencing the things that he says all the wicked must experience.